So last week, our family went for the first time to the outlet mall in San Marcos. While we were there, our youngest, Elijah, said to Charlie and me, what is a retail store? I don't think that we'd ever been in one because, you know, he's used to my online shopping. We'll get that on Amazon. And he said, I said, well, it's a place where, you know, they, they sell goods. And he said, no, why is it called retail? Is there something that has to do with a tail? Do y'all know? Does anyone know? I had to know. So I looked it up. So retail comes from the French word retalier, which means a piece cut off from. So a retail store is something that has been cut off from a larger hub. I love it when kids ask questions on things that we just take for granted. Things we say and we don't even really know what they mean. I want you to know that at Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church, we love asking questions, especially of our life and faith. And if you want to know why, it's because this is what Jesus modeled for us. Jesus was a master at taking everyday things that we do, we say, especially religious people. And asking a question of it. Why is it that you pray that way? Why is it that you do what you do? Jesus was very concerned about the intent of our heart. And this is shown beautifully in his sermon in the Gospel of Matthew, the first three chapters, the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to be looking at this over the next eight weeks. And Stacy has written a beautiful reading guide to go along with it in our new year. I hope you will pick one up at the close of the service. What we're going to see is that Jesus takes these teachings of culture, and again, especially religious culture, and he turns them all upside down. When you consider our culture... We are entrenched in a culture that tells us what makes a good life. What makes a happy life? And often those things glitter. They're attractive. So consider what has been glittering for you lately. A new vacation, those 2020 models of cars, Patagonia gear, the new Xbox called Xbox, perfect teeth, a leaner body. What's been glittering for you? All of these things do glitter, but what we know is that all that glitters is not gold and all that glitters is not guaranteed to give us a happy life. To begin our study, we're going to look at the beginning of Matthew 5, where Jesus goes into a list we call the Beatitudes. And this list is challenging because he's going to give us nine virtues that certainly our world would not say glitter. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, as we approach these familiar words Help us not to be overwhelmed. Help us not to feel less than God. But we know that when your word is heard true, it pierces through our heart 
and it brings life. It brings hope. So that is my prayer this morning, God, that we would hear these ancient words and each of us in some way would find a connection and a direction. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hear now the word of our Lord. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain and after he sat down, his disciples came to him and he began to speak and he taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed those Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So the reason we call these beatitudes, it comes from the Latin word for blessed, beatus. That's the reason. What does it mean to be blessed, though? This has become a popular hashtag, hashtag blessed. It was on Jimmy Fallon. It's on t-shirts. It's on the back of cars, but what, what does it really mean to be blessed? Last July, a storm came through Des Moines, Iowa. It was a typical evening and this mother and her 10 year old daughter and 14 year old nephew decided at the last minute that they were going to go to her mother's house for a party. And while they were at the party that night, their 100-year-old 50-foot tree split in half and crashed into their house, right onto the couch where the 10- and 14-year-old would have been sitting watching TV. The reporter asked the mother, and she said, it's a blessing. I mean, God works in just ways you can't even imagine. Have y'all heard people say stuff like this after they've survived a natural disaster? And, and whenever folks do, and I have said it as well, I just feel uncomfortable. Because in, in the second week of December, there were two volunteer firefighters in Australia who were out trying to fight off these ravaging bushfires and a tree fell on their car and they died. Does that mean God didn't bless them? Does that mean in that moment that God decided it's not time to save life? What does this word blessed mean? Stacy and I were talking about this this week and, and what Stacy said is so true. You know, blessed, hashtag blessed, it's come to mean things are going well. Life is good. My circumstances are fine. You know, even non-religious people use this phrase all the time. Is that what Jesus meant when he was on that hillside 2,000 years ago that blessed meant the happy life, the good life, when everything is going well? When we look closely at the text, 
We see that Jesus uses this phrase blessed nine times. In the King James, it's translated actually a better way, and it's happy are those, not blessed are those. The Greek word that's used here is makarios, and every single time that word is used in the New Testament, it is always associated with people that you would never think could be blessed or happy. This is who Jesus says are blessed, the barren. Jesus says the servant, the slave, that's the blessed person. After he washes the disciples' feet, he says, you will be blessed if you do the same. None of the people that are called blessed in scripture are what society would look at and be like, oh, they have a blessed life. They should be happy. The ones that are blessed have have these certain characteristics. They have these virtues of the inner person. But notice what doesn't make the list. Blessed are the ones who make good grades. Blessed are the ones who will make lots of money. Blessed are the ones who kept their children in line. Blessed are the ones who made sure that everybody around them was always happy. Jesus is turning the world upside down. The word makarios in first century Judaism and in first century Roman culture, it meant the good life. It meant your circumstances were good. And Jesus is saying to be makarios, to be blessed, it cannot have to do with our circumstances. It cannot have to do with those He says, those that are poor in spirit, literally those who are feeling down, those who are struggling to to pick themselves up, they are the ones that have the kingdom of heaven. Those who mourn, you are promised comfort. Your pain will ease. Those who are meek, meek doesn't mean weak. Meek means someone who is under control. The word there actually is called prouse, and it's the u- used for a bit that went into a horse to keep it tame. A meek person is someone who doesn't have the desire to have to receive the recognition or get the, the award. They are just content in leading quietly. And on and on, Jesus goes with these nine saying, he's showing us that a blessed life, the good life, the happy life, It cannot be based on how well our life is going. The blessed life is life lived with God. Regardless of how the circumstances are going. My moments of being most content, most full, are not when life is going well. Honestly, when life is going so well, do you ever live with that fear of when's the shoe going to drop? You don't have as much peace. Those moments when I am most full is when I am trying my best to live life with God. Last week, I said to the boys, they were arguing, and I said, just imagine, Jesus, just imagine Jesus is with you. They said, mom, he is. You say that all the time. And I was like, no, I want you to imagine that Jesus is like here, like another person right here. How would you be treating one another differently? How would we be living our life 
into the reality that Jesus is here. Living with God means that I aim for peace, not for conflict and not for being right. Living life with God means I offer mercy, not because the person deserves it, but because I have been offered mercy. Living life for God means I hunger and thirst for righteousness, not for my next accomplishment. The Beatitudes are worth repeating over and over again. They're beautiful. They offer words of comfort to those that are mourning, those that are feeling poor in spirit. But friends, they are not just to be repeated. These teachings are not meant for us just to wait until we get into one of those places in our life where, you know, we are feeling poor in spirit. We wait, oh, and then we will be inheriting the earth. Remember, that's not the context. When you look back at the text, Jesus has just finished calling his disciples. This is his first official lesson that he gives to his disciples. These teachings call for action. Listen to what happens again. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he spoke and he taught them. What if these nine sayings are not just Jesus's reflections on nine human conditions. What if these are nine teachings on how disciples of Jesus are supposed to live? These teachings call for a commitment to focusing not on the things that culture says will make you glitter. These teachings call for a focus on the inner person And this is going to mean different things for all of us. But the reason for changing is the same. Let's face it. We all want to say, I'm blessed. I'm happy. I have a good life. When we focus on developing the inner virtues, it's a life lived with God. And a life lived with God, regardless of the circumstances, is blessed. So how do we develop and grow these hungering and thirsting for righteousness or purity of heart? It seems overwhelming to me, but you know what? It had to have been even more overwhelming to the disciples. But what gives me great hope is that as you continue to read in the gospel of Matthew, you see that they fell short a lot. They didn't live by these beatitudes, every single one of them. I mean, they were concerned about being first. And and when the disciples said, who will sit at your right hand? It's not like Jesus looked at them and said, oh boys, y'all got it wrong. Sorry, you don't get to be my followers. Nope. Jesus knows that we are going to fall short. Just like Spencer said, we are going to have days where we mess up because this is not a contest. The Beatitudes are not another list. It's not another thing I'm adding to your life or God is adding to our life to be measured. It's not a resolution. The blessed life, where we develop and focus on the inner virtues and grow into the likeness of Christ, it is a journey. So when we pulled into the outlet malls, the boys exclaimed, Mom. They have everything. And Charlie was like, oh, no. 
We went to get a rug. And so he said to them, we are going to one store. He kept us focused. We went to two. And and then we left and we didn't even buy anything, but we were able to do it because there was a plan and it was realistic. I wonder if you look at this and you go, as you go and read the Sermon on the Mount, the, the expectations of being a disciple of Christ might seem overwhelming. It might seem like too much. I just want you to choose one area. Choose one. One of the Beatitudes. Take that reading guide home and I trust God will let you know what it is that you need to work on. And then I want you to email me or call me and tell me what part of your inner virtuous person needs to be more transformed into the likeness of Christ. You see, our world desperately needs more peacemakers. Our, our country needs more meek leaders. Our community needs more that are pure in heart. Our schools need more students and adults that are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Will you join me in turning the world upside down? May it be so in my life and in yours. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God. It's a big task. It's a big list. Help us to approach it with grace, grace for ourselves, grace for others. Oh, that we might grow into the likeness of your son, Jesus. Give us the strength this day, Lord God. Amen.